From Spam 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 Humbug and the Ultima Codex, this is Bite Sized Virtue. So for those of you who have not been following Spam, 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 Humbug, or the Ultimate Codex all that long, you'll know that every year, twice a year, kind of around Christmas time and then kind of around uh, Easter, I normally, well, it started off on the Ultimate Codex as just like a series of meditations on the eight virtues. And again, always around Christmas time and then again, kind of in the in the lead up to Easter, which, you know, in, in my church, we observe as Lent, um, a season of penance and fasting and, you know, preparation for the celebration to come. Um, and so, you know, part of that is, you know, sort of that trying to put our minds in a more prayerful and a more contemplative frame. Um, so, you know, thinking about the virtues of Ultima has always kind of been a way that I've done that. Well, not always, but certainly for the last so many years. And, you know, it's just been crazy because this year has been busier than ever, even though, like, it's probably a little bit different where you are, but... Um, when I guess I should pause here and just say that normally I've been doing this as a solo act for the last so many seasons, but I'm happy to be joined by Clorthouse Dragon. Greetings. Who, uh, when, you know, outside of his dragonly persona is uh, himself a pastor. So uh, his contributions are likely to be quite welcome. But anyways, um, yeah, this year has just been crazy busy. So I didn't actually wind up getting around to doing any kind of bite-sized virtue episodes prior to Easter. Um, I have just been that stacked up and busy. But fortunately, and I know you and I had been talking about, because you were on a previous season, and I can't remember which one off the top of my oh, head. I've, I would venture to guess it's been at least a year or two or more. Two at least, I think. Um, but we've talked about having you back on. And fortunately, you had some time and I had some time. And we're still in the Easter season as again you know um so like within not just the catholic tradition this is also true of like the orthodox and some other churches but there's lent which leads you up to easter and that's you know fasting and prayer and almsgiving and penance and then there's and that's 40 days give or take and then after easter there's 50 days of you know that are supposed to be like at a at a heightened level of joyousness which will take you through to pentecost and so that whole thing comprises the Easter season, and so that we're still within, you know, my window for doing bite-sized virtue. I don't, I don't count this as being. I mean, it's late, but it's not like too late. And I'm glad you had some free time. Oh well, yeah, absolutely. And you know, just to, as a follow-up, there, uh, uh, Easter definitely is, um, you know, uh, something that is less. <laughs> I hate to say, like less objectionable to me. Like we've had our conversations. Um, and I think you're probably aware I don't necessarily celebrate Christmas from a religious standpoint. I have probably a bigger issue with Christmas than I do with Easter because Easter, at least, at least, you know, the content of what people are celebrating and the timing generally line up, uh, mm. you know, as far as when Jesus was crucified, it's very, very clear. Uh, so, you know, um, I think there are some preachers out there that uh, like to harp on well, uh, pagan, you know, started with with the pagans and things like that. Pagan influence, and I don't know. Uh, I think uh, the the big thing that I mentioned on Easter Sunday was, uh, you know, it's a really good thing that there are more people in the world thinking about this now than 
you know, maybe other times in the year. So there, there, there are good things to look for in, in, in events like that, even if you don't necessarily agree with them. No, like, you know, from within my context, obviously, I mean, this is the, you know, and yeah, there is stuff that we've definitely, you know, we've borrowed symbolisms here and there. Um, although, you know, I kind of liken it to, you know, St. Boniface, uh, <laughs> You know, one of the symbols associated with St. Boniface is the oak tree. Why? Because when he wanted to convert the Germanic tribe that was worshipping this massive oak tree that they thought of as like Thor's oak tree, what did he do? He cut the oak tree down and, you know, defeated Thor and now it's his oak tree. So, you know, like it's... it's <laughs> That's a hilarious story. I've never heard that. I, yeah. I should have known that, I guess, but... So, um, right, like it... it if these symbols point us towards a deeper truth, then there's no harm in using those symbols. At least I don't see there being any harm in using those symbols. I don't think the church in its 2000 year history has seen any harm in using those symbols. But that kind of is not quite what I wanted to focus on. Because like, I mean, like, right. this is the, I mean, yeah, within, you know, the Catholic context, this is the, like, this is the crown of the year. You know, this is the most, it's not this, although interestingly, we don't actually treat it as the start of the year anymore. Um, like the liturgical year, um, that's actually uh, at the start of Advent, which is the run-up to Christmas. But you know, this is the pinnacle of the year. This is the single most important event in time, in history, in space, in every in eternity. This is it, and so we try and celebrate that in a due and proper way. But um, and you know, so for my part, I've tended to try and mark this with reflections on the virtues. And normally, I'll pick one virtue and just run with it. Um, and that's been getting harder and harder to do in recent years. You know, I've barely managed to get two or three episodes out in a season. But this year I wanted to try something a little bit different. Because one thing that I've found again and again and again, year after year, is that as I'm going through Ultima's take on the virtues, I'm struck by the fact that while there is some profundity to be had there, and while there is some genuine depth of thought at times... There's also a lot of, like, in terms of how the virtues are portrayed, especially through the lens of the gypsy questions, that for many of the Ultima games are the means by which your stats are determined some uh, to some degree or another. Um, in addition to, you know, occasionally there being some actual depth and moral complexity there, there's also a lot of um, sleight of hand, you know, verbal sleight of hand that goes on. A lot of mixing of the uses of the same, you know, because in English, unfortunately, the same word can have multiple and even sometimes contradictory meanings. Um, and there's a lot of that that kind of ends up in the gypsy question. So what I pitched to you, the idea I pitched to you, I'm glad you agreed, was that we'd basically go through as many of the virtue questions as we can and just comment on each of them. Um, and so for this, I'm actually using, uh, there is actually, so if you're curious, there is actually an Ultima personality test that you can take online. It is at tk421.net slash Ultima. I'll make sure that there's a link in all of the show notes for that. And I'm not actually sure who the host, oh, it's Gargish Dragon. No, Gargish Dragon and Curse Dragon helped put it together, but I'm not actually sure who hosts TK421. Um, his real name is John Hubbard, but I don't know his dragon name off the top of my head. At any rate. For some reason, that name is familiar, but I, um, I can't yeah. place it. Yeah. Anyways, he has put together a lovely little Ultima personality quiz on his website, TK421. Lovely Star Wars reference. Excellent. Why aren't you at your post? TK421, do you copy? Yeah. Take over. we got a bad transmitter. We just had one of those a few minutes ago. Um, so he's got 
all 28 of the virtue questions from Ultima 4 on the website, and you can kind of pick answers and it'll cast you according to your virtue and there you go. But yes, I thought we would just kind of run through each of them or as many as we can and just sort of comment on um, whether this is actually, because like one of the things that I've always objected to with the eight virtues is the fact that they're always portrayed as being somehow in conflict with each other. And partly because I'm Catholic and partly because I'm at least a little bit versed in Greek philosophy and so familiar with the concept of unity of virtues, which, you know, bears out in the theological virtues enumerated by the church, um, which is, it's the idea that a virtue and a, like two virtues, if they be genuinely virtuous, shouldn't contradict. Yeah. The, the other part of that really is if you're searching, I don't know, to some degree, I would say Christianity is a search for truth. And when you're looking for truth, your motive is going to be consistency. That's usually why people leave churches, right? I mean, someone is inconsistent with the way they applied something or someone was, you know, hateful to them in this way, which was not consistent with the doctrine of love. Uh, so you want that kind of consistency to say, okay, you know, it doesn't have to be one against the other. I get into that kind of conversation with, um, with uh, really, I, I guess I would say more Calvinistic uh, thinking people because there is this thought that inherently law and grace must be pitted against each other. But I don't know, in my understanding of the scriptures, I don't really believe they are pitted against each other. I think they work together uh, in terms of what, what God does. So, I mean, I think that's, I can totally understand what you're saying is what, what I'm coming to there. Yeah. The question of, you know, like science and religion, which many people misrepresent as science versus religion. But, you know, like for me, I don't, and, you know, I lean on like John Paul II, truth cannot contradict truth. Um, just this, you know, if something is true, then it will not contradict something else which is true. There, there will be a unity there, even if it is not immediately apparent. There will be a unity there if both things be true. And so that I think applies to, you know, that does apply to virtue as well. Um, Aquinas, Thomas Aquinas very famously said that the form of all virtues is love. And if we think of each virtue as being somehow an expression of, you know, love, then definitely, you know, love does not contradict itself. Shouldn't at any rate. Um, as we grow in virtue in one aspect of our lives, you know, if, if we grow in one virtue, we should be growing in all the other virtues as well. And so it's always, always bugged me that Ultima always presents the virtues as being somehow in conflict. But if you actually, I'm hoping we'll kind of really tease this out, because when I look at the virtue questions, you know, as a kid, okay, it seemed fairly profound. Looking at it now with adult eyes and with, you know, a lot more education in philosophy and in theology under my belt, I can kind of see it's like, oh, okay, this is just kind of a cheap misrepresentation of something. But hopefully we'll tease that out as we uh, as we go through the questions yeah i mean you know the the idea of virtue you know in in ancient society this is the pursuit of excellence this is this is you're trying to become better at what you do that's that's virtue um you know philo and josephus would agree on that i mean it, it's a sense where you have these authors these ancient authors saying this even outside scripture but certainly in the old testament that thought of virtue being excelling in in all things 
um, becoming a useful part of the community. Um, and I think that that throughout the 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 setting of Ultima, that kind of rings true because that's kind of what you're doing in the games or the idea. That's the conceit. But I agree with you that the thought that you're going to have pit one virtue against another, they're all sort of got, you know, directing the same way. And I think, again, the realistic part of this is, you know, these questions were came, you know, were put together by teenagers in the eighties. So, <laughs> you know, it's not like we can seriously criticize it, but it is sort of interesting to look at them. Yeah. So I'm going to start with a really easy, low hanging fruit kind of one. Um, which is one that I think pretty much gets everybody's hackles up. Thou art sworn to uphold a lord who participates in the forbidden torture of prisoners. Each night their cries of pain reach thee. Dost thou honestly report the deeds, or honor thine oath and ignore the deeds? And this one has always bugged me because it gets back to something I said at the start of this episode, which is that it relies on a double meaning of the word honor. You know, honor yeah. as a virtue pertains to conduct, pertains to behavior, pertains to the respect for life and property and morality. And I just want to actually pull up the Ultima definition of honor as well, just so that it's, you know, read into the record here. So honor is the courage to seek and uphold the truth. That's how it's defined within the ultima um literature okay so here we have a choice of you're a guard or something and you're you know working for this particular royalty who tortures prisoners do you honor your oath to him and not report the torture or do you report that he is you know engaging these forbidden practices and where that rests where the double meaning comes in is you know like ultima defines honor as it does right the courage to seek and uphold the truth. But here, within the context of this question, it's using the uh, it's using a different definition of honor, which is um and it's actually switching between <laughs> it's actually switching between the noun of honor like between honor as a noun and honor as a verb. So when we talk about honor as a virtue, we're talking about it in the noun sense. Um but what the question here is asking is in the verbal sense of to fulfill an obligation or to keep an agreement. However, in so doing, you are acting against the pursuit and upholding of truth. That is to say, divulging the torturous deeds that your master is engaging in. So, hmm? yeah, you have a. Uh... Uh, you have the blend in honor of courage and truth, right? So, so these two options, you're pitting truth against truth, you know, <laughs> which, yeah, which we already covered is, uh, you can't do, <laughs> it doesn't work because the truth is, I mean, you can keep your oath and ignore the deeds that is honest. You can make a claim that is honest, uh, you know, just as much as someone, who is taking orders from their superior to to kill someone, you know, even when that's not the right thing to do. They can say, well, right, I made an oath. This I'm following orders, and this is what I'm doing. So that's truthful, but is, is it honorable? And I think, of course, in this situation, the honorable thing would be objectively to report the deeds. But right. 
you know, especially given how it's defined within the Ultima literature. That's you know, and so like I say, this question is the the low hanging fruit of the bunch, but it's you, you know, it's also think I about. Think I'm sorry. You also think about the context of when these, you know, the timing of Ultima Four, because what's the setup for Ultima Four? The land is generally at peace, and you know the virtues are celebrated throughout the land. And so, you know, who who is going to uh, defend or think someone honorable who ignores the torture of prisoners that is forbidden? Yes. So, yeah, this one is, like I say, this one's kind of the low hanging fruit, and this one's up, but this one's always the one that bugs me the most because it's like. You know, it, it so transparently relies upon a double meaning and it so transparently tries to portray honor in a way that is actually ultimately contradicted by the internal lore of the series. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, I guess if you really, really need to roll a paladin, you're going to choose keep thine oath and ignore the deeds. But practically speaking, you know, there is actually only one right answer. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's going to it's going to make you into a mage, apparently. Yes, well, so. If you'd like to check out previous seasons of Bite Sized Virtue, you can do so at spam, 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 humbug.com or at the Ultima Codex, ultimacodex.com. And if you would like to support Spam, 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 Humbug, both this subseries and the main podcast, you can do so at Patreon, patreon.com slash ultimacodex. We also welcome your support on Facebook, give us a like, or on Twitter, give us a follow. Facebook.com slash The Ultima Series and Twitter.com slash Ultima Codex to do either of those. And of course, we welcome your feedback on this and any other episode of Bite Sized Virtue. You can leave comments at spam 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 humbug.com or at ultimacodex.com. Just find the show notes for this particular episode or any other episode and make your thoughts known there. You can also send us an email, ultimacodex at gmail.com. And especially if something we've said today or in any other episode makes you feel inspired, please do send in your thoughts. We would love to read them on air, maybe even make an episode out of them. And of course, you are welcome to join us on the Spam 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 Humbug Discord server. The link will be in the show notes. Thank you again for listening, and until next time, be virtuous. Be virtuous.